It is showtime. If you've been looking for a preview of West Virginia and the Red Raiders of Texas Tech, you've come to the right place. Turn it up a little bit. We're ready to go. The Senator is here, and this is Three Guys Before the Game, episode number 316, as we continue to go to places that we never thought that we would go. I mean, up on this program, we're going to talk about an international boar problem. We're going to talk about boars plus pigskin. And not many podcasts can offer you that. We'll get into that and more. Your questions, your comments, your thoughts. A little chatter going on there on Twitter. Some accusations that need to be uh, debunked. We'll get into that. And more. Or substantiated in this case. Solid point. Three guys before the game. Presented for the people. And you are the people. By Caesar's Sportsbook. You download it now and get started. Risk-free bet of up to $5,000 in free bets, plus their Mountaineer special that'll double your winning. That's coming up. By Comax Business Systems. They're your, they're our, they're everybody's full-service Konica Minolta dealer. Go to Comax Business Systems at ComaxWV.com. Burdett Camping Center, the only warranty forever RV dealer in all of West Virginia Located in Winfield, visit them on the web at burdettcamping.com. They always do an unbelievable job with their promotions. We just might as well throw the jacks on the table right now. This oh, oh, week, we're going with it early. Yeah, might as okay. well just Good. Yeah, yeah, get it out Might as well go with it. Good. This week, Phil over at Burdett has a hankering and a thought that the Red Raiders are going to turn the ball over. Ooh. So here is the deal as you watch and listen to the game on Saturday. Every time Texas Tech turns the ball over, it's a hundy in your pocket. I said it's a hundy in your pocket every time Texas Tech turns the ball. It doesn't matter. It could be a fumble. could be an interception. The always mysterious muff of a punt, that counts as one. But, you know, people call it – anyway, that's a whole different deal. $100 every time Texas Tech turns the ball over – and whatever that number is, we're hoping for four. Four be now, good. Now Tech's averaging two. Sure. So if they stay at their average, you got it. Yeah. You got two hundred in the bank. You hope you get a few more this week. So all you have to do is add that number up, and then you go to Burdett Camping, and when you spend a thousand dollars on parts, sales, or service, they'll take the rest off based upon the turnover number. Just tell me you're a three guys listener. Three Guys also brought to us by West Virginia Game Changers, supporting and encouraging young people throughout the state to build healthy, addiction-free lives. You can help West Virginia families, children become a game changer. Go to wvgamechanger.com. Oh, hit that perfect. In DJ world, that's called posting it perfectly. It just symbols. Good start. Okay, so here, here we go. I don't want to say must win. Oh, I don't want to say must win. Well, it's not. It's not. But, however, but however, yeah. I'm not saying must win. That's not must win. But the outcome of this game, I do strongly believe, will incredibly impact the direction for the rest of the season. Because you win and suddenly you breathe, like one of those yoga breaths, like they call it a deep cleansing breath. Through the diaphragm, let it go out. You'll go, okay, we're three up, two down, and we're going to go to Baylor. You don't, and you're two up, three down, and you go, oh, got to go to Baylor. So 
The con- the constant is you got to go to Baylor. The question is which way are you going to be? Three up or just two up? So incredibly important. I just think from a for a bunch of different reasons. Just like the Virginia Tech game was going to be hugely important for a bunch of different reasons besides the game itself, so is this one. Agree with you, and let's start just with the Texas Tech part of this because, man, are you due, right? Are you due against Texas Tech here having lost both games under Neil Brown? Both games that that the staff and the program thought they were going to be right there and have a real good shot to win. Remember two years ago, Texas Tech got off the bus with like a five touchdown lead, I think they started the game with. Like, yes. remember when you're little and you're playing spot against them. like your younger brother or something, mm-hmm. you spot him. <laughs> spot him. I think West Virginia spotted him 21 to start that game. Yep. So you were just never in it. Made a comeback, got back in the game, but it was over because of the very beginning. And then last year, what worries me about this year is last year. And I said this last night on Sportsline. I remember last year, well, their defense isn't going to be any good. You're going to go in and have a chance to get well offensively. You can move the ball on them, get some point. Oh, hold on. What's, what's, what's happening here? Henry Columbia, their backup quarterback, is actually lighting you up, not the other way around. It's kind of the same storyline here. So West Virginia returns home another chance. You compared it there to Virginia Tech a little bit. I think it's like that in this way. Now you're back home, right? Off a tough loss at Maryland, you return home. And you get Long Island and you get well. I know different level of competition. Tough loss to Oklahoma, but you should be buoyed up by the efforts you gave. You were right there. You could have won that game, say, for those couple mistakes we've addressed. Now you're home in front of a big crowd, perfect weather coming, great time of day. You've got to go out and you owe Texas Tech. This is a game you need to win. Every week in college football is another chapter in which you define yourself and your season. We're still watching the development, obviously, of West Virginia. Question becomes this. Exactly where is what is Texas Tech? Mm -hmm. So the first thing you jump on is you go, they gave up 70 to Texas. So if that's the only thing you're going to base it on, you go like, well, they got big-time defensive problems. However, however, they held Dana at Houston to 21. Now say what you want about where Houston is in that state of their program. But Dana normally gets more than 21. Agreed? He can score points. He does, but that offense, the, the Houston offense is not what it normally is under Dana Holgerson. They are, they are struggling to find their identity. So then they give up only 21 to the Houstons. They give up 22 to the Stephen F. Austins. And they give up 21 to the FIUs. So my point to that is this. Yes, I know the level of competition is not what they had last Saturday against Texas. However, if the defense was a bad defense, they wouldn't have done 21-22-21. They would have been probably at some point giving up 28-35 in those first three games, but still managing ways to win. Follow me? I'm saying just don't take the 70 and go, that's a bad defense. It's not. It's not, but let me give you this. Let me give you a counterpoint you want, you want, here. You want three second? You want three second? No, I'm just in. Can I like? I haven't used three second in a while. Hang on a second. All right, go ahead. They've got some defensive deficiencies. I, I don't think there's any way around that. 70, if you're them, you've got to hope that's your low point and that you rebound from that, okay? But let me give you an indication of something that I think is important and watch for this Saturday. You mentioned Dana. In that opening drive, which is the opening drive of the season when they were playing Texas Tech, yeah. he went for it twice on fourth down, once in his own territory. 
Now, part of that, as we well know, that's Dana. I mean, if Dana went for it on the first possession of the season inside his own five, you'd go, man, ah, that's Dana. That's what you get. So I get it. But just set that aside. Two different times, including the first drive of the season in your own territory, you said, oh, it's four, oh is that right? It's fourth down. Fine. Line up. Try and stop us here. We're going for it. And then they did it again. And it ended up in a touchdown drive. Okay. Steve Sarkeesian, first drive of the game the other day against Texas Tech. Faced with a fourth down. Where was the ball? Their territory. Texas Tech's territory. They were moving it. Said, oh, is that right? Fourth down. Don't care. Not going to punt. Going to line up. Go for it again. So the, the two better teams they faced in, a, in the Big 12 member Houston and then SEC member Texas, both of those teams have looked across the line and said, you can't, you're not stopping us here. We're just going to go ahead and go for it on fourth down. So I'm, I'm recognizing and acknowledging that 70 by Tech may be a low point for them. I don't think, given what we've seen from West Virginia's, off, West Virginia's offense, you can expect WVU to come in and, and hang 60-plus on them. But I think what you can say is there are two other teams there that looked across the line and said, you, no, nope, we're just going to go ahead and go for it here in fourth down. I didn't know you were going. Early with, in the ballgame. Yeah, I didn't know you were going to go with this point. However, to underscore your point, this is kind of crazy stat. They have played four games. Opposing teams have attempted 17 fourth down conversions. That's four, a little bit more than four games. Mm-hmm. They've converted 13 of the 17. That's 76%. So what's that telling you? They don't have a lot of respect for their defense. Correct. That's what that's telling me, and they're making it. And it's not just – so then then to underscore your point that was underscoring my point that was the original point, I'm going to underscore double underscore, like a double line underneath it if we're writing. Yeah, sure. Now I don't even remember what my point was because I did too many underscores Well, let me underscore the underscore. The the fact that it's happening early, too, is significant. It's not like you're just behind and you're trying to catch up to Texas Tech. They're identifying it early and often that we're going for it on fourth down. And here might be – this is uh, underscore cubed (laughs) – this might be the sign that Texas Tech doesn't have total confidence in its defense. So I said opposing teams have gone against them 17 times on fourth down. In four games, Texas Tech has only gone for it six times on fourth down. They've converted three. But what's that telling you? Well, the coach doesn't want to not make it on fourth down and give the ball back so his defense gets beat. Well, I tell you what, we've uncovered some stuff here. So let's watch that early. And this is, to, to stay on that theme, uh, this is a chance. West Virginia's got to show us something offensively here, right? This is a game where you've got to do some things. This, is, this will most likely not be a game where you only get three second-half possessions as you did against Oklahoma. You're going to have to move the football. You're going to have to show you can run the football. You're going to have to give Deggie time to throw. Who's the receiver that's going to step up? What's the expanded Garrett Green package coming in this game? This is... you. You're going to have to score some points. Mm-hmm. We'll get into the defensive matchup against Tech's offense, which I like if you're West Virginia. But this, this to me, is about watching the offense. This is time for the offense to go out and say, hey, defense, we know we didn't get there with you last week. You played well enough to win. We're going to go take some pressure off this week. We're going to burden some of the load here. Step back. Go rest over on the side. Then we're going to score some points. And you don't have to hold them to 14 to get a win. Correct. Well said. Last week... Neil knew that he needed to limit possessions in that game mm-hmm. because basically you're playing with fire and the more you stick your hand into the oven, you're going to come out and it's going to get burnt, assuming that we're using a wood-burning fire and not a conventional electrical coil. So he knew that. This week, he's not thinking that I need to have limited possessions. So I agree with you that he will 
be much more apt to go. Here's another number for you. They're allowing five yards per play. They're allowing five yards per play, which is pretty significant. And so, again, that kind of details what potentially could be there. And like you, I do think, let's face it, the staff knows that they need to crank it up, especially in the second half. And I think that they will be much more attacking and aggressive. Neil said this week during his press conference, hey, against Virginia Tech, okay, maybe we popped the air on the balloon a little bit earlier than we should have. And as a result, the thing kind of got bogged down and we just got out of there. I do think this week, go, go. And go. we'll see. And if you get a chance to to decide whether to let off the gas or not, my guess is he does not. He keeps coming. But okay, now let's get to the area of concern. If you're going to get more possessions and run more plays and try and be more aggressive, what do you now worry about? Burnett Camping Center comes back into play. Yeah, you, worry, sure. you worry about turnovers. So Western is minus four in turnover margin the last two years against this team. We've said all season long that has been a major problem for this WVU offense. You've seen it in the losses to Maryland and Oklahoma. But how about this number? West Virginia is 123rd nationally in turnover margin, Tony. Out of 130 teams, this team can't be there. Mm-mm. So you've got to not only get to the point now, game, what are we in, game five, where you're not turning it over, but you've also got to take some back. It's time for the defense now, as well as it's played. Now you go after and make Columbia. If they're going to take a bunch of shots downfield on you, you go get a couple of those and pick those off. Turnover margin has to start playing a role in these West Virginia games and breaking in its favor, or you're going to continue to be in trouble late in these games. Again, going back to you don't know exactly what they faced in those first three games as far as level of competition. However... Tech does come in leading the conference in average yards per play. I mentioned that opposing teams are averaging just over five yards per play against them. Well, Texas Tech is leading the Big 12. They're averaging seven and a half yards per play. Baylor next week's opponent is two. Texas, who they just played, is three. Then TCU at four. Oklahoma at five. Iowa State six. K-State seven. West Virginia is at eight. The Mountaineers are averaging 5.38 then Kansas, and surprisingly, Oklahoma State is dead last in average per play. You wouldn't, it doesn't work out. Yeah, they flipped their identity. I mean, they're defensive driven. But that, see, that's part of it, and that's part of this discussion here. They're going to take deep shots. I mean, they're going to throw the ball down the field. They have multiple receivers. We're going to talk about a couple of them, but they have multiple receivers. They're not afraid to get it deep. So some of that yard per play is a result of they just say okay fine you know what go deep we're gonna throw deep and they did it with columbia that's one of the interesting parts last year that wasn't necessarily his game he was a ball control type of quarterback they came in against texas now some of it was score differential i realize so what do you have to lose you better air it out and go get it some of it's that soft coverage texas may be losing some interest but they went deep a bunch against the longhorns and i would expect they try and do that again but what do they need to throw it deep tone what do they have to be able to do time They have to have time, and that's where I like this matchup. West Virginia's defensive line has been absolutely fantastic. I happened to catch a thing last night. This was pretty good. Joel Klatt from Fox Sports did almost a 10-minute breakdown on Oklahoma's offense, and basically what he was doing, he was given a defense of Spencer Rattler and the, the, the boos that he took and the chance to replace him against West Virginia, and he was diagramming up and doing some slow motion film editing there, and really what he was going back to 
it turned into a promotion of the West Virginia defensive line. There were multiple times when he highlighted how good West Virginia's defensive line was, including that one by Mesidor, where he blows up the line and makes the tackle. The one by Lance Dixon late when he comes off the edge and forces Rattler on that pass into the end zone to have to throw it a little bit early that ends in an incompletion. Those are the little moments. Like, take that one for a second with Dixon. That shows up as a pressure, so we can see that in the PFF stats. But really, in the traditional box score, that doesn't show up, does it? But that's a massive play. He doesn't get home. He doesn't get a sack. He doesn't even get a quarterback hit. Right. But that affected the play and potentially changed the game because kept you in it. It was what was going to be a sure touchdown. If Rattler's in rhythm and has his time, and he can throw that a second later or a beat later, and the receiver's then coming out of his break, the D-back doesn't make that play. That's a touchdown. Instead, he has to throw it early. When the receiver looks up, it's low and out of his range. Game changed right there. West Virginia's defensive line should have the advantage here and has to go get Columbia. West Virginia goes into the weekend, number one in the Big 12 in sacks. WVU is at 14 sacks. In fact, they're tied. West Virginia, Oklahoma, and Kansas State all have 14 sacks to share a tie for the lead. Texas Tech, in case you're wondering, is three, four, five, is six in that category. Penalties. The Red Raiders have been hit with yellow flags. Texas Tech is eight in the conference in penalties. They're averaging 62 per game. In case you're wondering, West Virginia's at four, averaging 50 yards per contest. All right, let's talk about some individuals here. Running the ball. It's always a key in a game. West Virginia, and we're not telling you anything that you don't know, each week continues to try to establish a running game. The Mountaineers are currently toward the bottom at the number nine spot in rushing. What do you think? I got a, I don't know, is this, is this fan optimism or do I think, obviously, it's going to get better. You're at 116 per game on the ground, 116. To put that into perspective, Baylor leads the league 271. They've run it great. They have two guys that are running it really well. 271. Texas Tech is at 160. So Kansas is running it at 142. Oak State at 138. Where's that number go, do you think, as the season goes on? You're at 116. Can you get it? Can you get it to 135, 140? You have to see. I mean, I think you just win against what's going to end up be the best defense in this league and, and probably the best defensive front you're going to face. I know Iowa State's going to give you a test on that, and West Virginia certainly struggled against them defensively. And and Baylor's looked better defensively. And Oklahoma State, and I, I've mentioned before, this is turning into somewhat of a defensive league more than offensive. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. But it is, right? I know. I mean, look at those differences. West Virginia included, right? You heard Neil Brown this week talk about how you're going to win here. You're going to win with defense first rather than offense. And there's some other schools that have taken that approach. I, I don't have a good answer for that, Tony. I hope it gets better in these coming weeks. Part of that answer, I think, will be part of that question will get answered this week. How can you run it against these guys? And what do they take from approach? They dropped eight a lot last week against Texas. They got zero pressures on the quarterback last week. Again, some of that scheme because they dropped off. Now, Texas did anything it wanted, ran for 300 plus, threw for 300 plus. But this would be, to me, 
even if it's a defense that's not going to give up 70 to you, this is one where you've got to go in and be able to move some guys up front and create some holes. Yeah. Right. If you can't run it here coming up on Saturday, then I have even more concerns moving forward, because I think some of this, what you try and do early in the season and one of the big challenges you have statistics haven't normalized. So we give you a bunch on this show, but they're nowhere near as predictive as they will be when we get into weeks eight, nine, 10, 11 and 12. When you get to the back part of the season, now it starts to normalize because strength, the schedule normalizes. That's one of the things that I'm watching on this. To me, mm-hmm. strength of schedule in favor of West Virginia has to show up this weekend. We're giving you all these numbers and trying to compare. If you, it's, It has not been a contest. West Virginia has really tested itself against what is turning out to be an overachieving Maryland team from what people thought. That was a five-and-a-half win total on that Maryland team. They're at four. They get Iowa on Friday night. That'll be a good test for that offense. Virginia Tech, we know what they did in the first game. Maybe they're not the 15th best team in the country, but that's a top 35 team with big boys up front. Then you go get Oklahoma. Three or four games are against those teams. That's a better schedule than what Texas Tech has faced. To me, that should show up and benefit West Virginia on Saturday. You should come into that game if you're West Virginia and feel like, okay, this is a matchup in most spots that we can win across the board. We've got to do some things here. Totally agree with I'll you. be interested to see if that theory is true, but that's my theory going into the game. Would you agree with me that when it comes to running the ball, opening holes are essential? Well, sure. However, when you run a business, you don't want holes in your IT. You don't want holes in your networking because you know what happens with holes? They get filled by big, bad people. They get filled by viruses. They get filled by people that are sniffing in and want to get into your system. There's one way to cure that. Call our good folks at Comax Business Systems, located right here in West Virginia. You know there's a tremendous advantage to having a local company because they're not massive, they're small enough to be nimble, and yet big enough to deal with anything you have, and they're there 24-7. They will do a complete internal and external security audit to make sure that your IT is in the proper frame, and if not, they can fix it. Security is your business as safe as it needs to be from viruses and malware. Do you and wish you know, might you might not have a nerdy guy that you can put in your business to sit there and monitor the stuff, right, Brad? Correct. I mean, you don't. You might not Sometimes have. You a, need help. You might. Not, yeah. So you don't have to have a computer nerd in your building. All you need to do is hook up with these dudes, and they will do remote cloud computing for you. Bounce in, take a look. They're in. They're out. Manage your information and do it well. Comex Business Systems, for over two decades, taking care of West Virginians every, and you know what? Man, I'm not say it. I guess you can't say it because you, let's just say they're big. They've got contracts here in the state of West Virginia that are the biggest of the big, and they can take care of you. Check them out, comexwv.com. How about uh, Pro Football Focus, which we often uh, reference on this program? They got sold, or they got they did a did a financial deal. Isn't it? Pretty good business in the stats, huh? <laughs> I guess got a fifty million dollar investment. Sure, values the company. The report we read values the company at uh, nine figures. Hello, big numbers and ad- big uh, money in analytics. Apparently, Chris Collinsworth, one of the key members of Pro Football Focus. You'll see him on Sunday nights, and he'll be wearing new diamond jewelry things are going quite quite well any pff numbers that hit you in the face on this game uh i think 
you know, we we went in. through the we went through the Texas Tech defensive grades. So the the run defense for them, they had a thirty seven grade against Texas, which is to be expected. Other than that, every grade they had so far on the run defense is seventy seven plus. So that's where you come back. You were asking that question about running it, and that's remember that's on a scale of of one to one hundred, and they were in the the solid B plus category or C plus yeah. and above category for them. Are you able to attack that? How does that look? I was trying to find another one here for you. Where do you think Letty Brown's almost 50% of his carries have come from what direction? What part of the line do you think? Uh, what part of the line for Letty between... There's two parts. Okay, center guard, one. And? Probably left side. Cent- center guard, the other. Center guard. Right, right <laughs> up the middle. 30 of his 66 carries are right up that area. He's averaging seven yards a carry when he goes... I'm sorry, the team is averaging seven yards a carry when it is, I was trying to find that number, middle right between middle the right. center and, the, and, and Nestor, between Frazier and Nestor. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple for you. And uh, again, I think the, the intangibles on this is, probably should have had someone look this. Well, what's Texas Tech's record when they have to go on the road two weeks in a row? Maybe a little bit there. That's, it is the longest trip. Not to make it like you're going transcontinental because you're not. However, it is it is longer than some of the trips that you have to take in the league, and you just hope that it didn't affect them, impact them at all last time they were here. However, you just hope you can jump them there. Plus, Here's, I think the crowd, it, crowd will be better. That was a noon kick last time. Yeah, crowd will be bouncy. 3.30, this will be bouncy. Crowd will be bouncy. Here's the other part with them that you don't know, and you won't know till you get here, and no one can answer this, even Matt Wells, the Texas Tech coach. Where's their collective head? Right. They they just got they just got punched right in the face and didn't get up off the mat. Mm-hmm. So do they come in here embarrassed and like rabid dogs ready to go? Or are they wobbly inside that locker room looking around? There was a lot more talk about is Matt Wells the right guy for this program coming from around the people covering the Red Raiders. Now whether that's accurate or not, whether that's unfair or not. It's still out there. That's still a discussion. That is hard to focus as a team when that becomes the storyline for an entire week. So what do you get collectively from this Texas Tech attitude-wise? My guess is it's early in the season. They're going to get off that bus and be ready to go and, and think they have a chance to come in here and get a win as they did two years ago. But you also wonder, can you hop on them early? Tally in a uniform, takes the doors, let Tally play with the Mez uniform so it looks like it's Mesador. And do you give Daryl Talley six naps? Can we slide Mesador off the field even for the all-time great Daryl Talley? That is pretty wild, though. This will be the last time that uh, a Mountaineer wears 90 uh, because they obviously they're retiring Daryl's number this weekend. And after Hakeem Mesador's career is over, you won't see 90 again, which is pretty wild. That's two pretty good guys to wear oh, that number there. Yeah, absolutely. You ready for some texts? Sure. Hey, Tony, I'm glad you got the taffy. I sent Cabot's the link to your show, and I'm sure they appreciate you promoting their product. I hope you'll share with Hoppy and Coach Hunter, Herb and Charleston. Well, yes. Thank you very much. That is uh, just unbelievable taffy. Unbelievable taffy. The licorice was my favorite. Yeah. If you're scoring at home. Sean in Washington State. WV football equals glass half full. Super young team. No true road games last year. Of course, they'll make critical mistakes, as don't we all. They'll grow from them. I think Coach Brown is a strong head coach, but that's a full-time job. He needs to have a full-time offensive coordinator. 
not not share it himself with a part-time OC who's also a position coach. LGM, exclamation point. I guess that's let's go Mountaineer, exclamation point. Thank you very much, Sean, for listening. Uh, I'll jump in. I disagree. I think there are certain guys that can do both. I think that is Neil Brown's forte, doing exactly that. And I think we see it work around the country in spots. Lincoln Riley, Lane Kiffin, Dana. I think it works quite well. I think you can do it. I think the fact that Jared Parker is there with him side by side, that takes a lot of that pre-in-the-week type stuff, getting ready for it. But I think on game day, you're the guy. You're going to win or lose and win or lose you need to have that involvement if that is your area of specialty. And whether you're an offensive guy or a defensive guy, I think that's important. Senator, any thoughts? Uh, I, t- I tend to agree with you. Uh, I, I, listen, to me, this offense now is about execution. I mean, the playbook will expand and get more creative as guys show they can execute. If you can't execute the basic fundamentals, then it's going to be hard to add to that. So I think if that's the concern there, just hang tight. As the execution improves, I think you'll see more things come into this game plan. Uh, Jason in Dallas. Hey, guys, I moved to enemy territory three months ago. And boy, how I love to walk around my country club in my WVU hat. WVU shirt, WVU golf towels, WVU ball marker, club head covers, divot repair tool, tees, water bottles, beer holders, but man, do I hear it from various others after a loss. In response to one Oklahoma fan, I felt compelled to inform him that while we lost the game, our first team podcasters could beat the snot out of their first team podcasters without breaking a sweat and make them feel good about it. I detailed how they would mercilessly assault with advanced analytics, retaining wall construction strategy, and in-depth knowledge of San Marzano tomatoes. When he responded, what's a San Marzano tomato? I said, exactly. Your guys probably just buy a plastic jar of ragu. Lazy know-nothings. I think even those clowns from Country Roads Confidential, kidding, I love Chris and Mike, could handle the other Big 12 first-team podcasters. On to tech. Some coaches may be prone to allow the Oklahoma loss to turn into multiple losses. I don't think we have to worry about that with Coach Brown. I'm sure our guys will be jacked, avoid a hangover, and a great day to be a mountaineer wherever you may be. This prompts what I think could be a new stat that could be called TEI, Team Emotional Intelligence. It would be a measurement of the team's performance in a game immediately following a road loss as a double-digit underdog where you snatch defeat from the jaws of victory as compared to the other team's performance of the year. Last thing, sorry to ramble, but I have to mention that I am so happy West Virginia has a mascot that is an exposed person in quality threads and not some hidden person in a stupid costume like a stuffed tiger or that insufferable Jayhawk. Every time I see that stupid thing, I just want to kick mud on its shoes and punch it square in the beak. (laughs) You guys are all pro podcasters. There's a whole lot there. Straw, that included a lot. When you get a divot repair tool into the text, it's probably going to be a good one. Yeah. And when I say Oklahoma-er, that's how it's written. I'm reading these as they are written. I'm not adding it. Oh, he had, he gave you an Oklahoma? Yeah. Very good. I'm not, I'm not adding. Sometimes you add. No, well, I'm not. Bud in Lexington, Kentucky. By the way, real quick before you get to Bud, his team emotional intelligence is a pretty good one. Uh, good again, stuff. we just talked about that on both sides, right? So it's, it's really hard to measure, but that's a great one. Such a big part of college football. Well, maybe someone should keep that stat. 
I mean, Chris Collinsworth a few years ago started this PFF. Now he's walking around. He's got a nine got a nine figure deal going. Hey Tony, I want to apologize. This is Bud Lexington, Kentucky. Hey Tony, I want to apologize for my negative text last week following the Oklahoma game. He wrote. Did he write Oklahoma yes. too. Yes, yes he did. I, love that. I was bent out of shape at the loss, pointing fingers, etc. Again, I apologize. Go Mountaineers, Bud Lexington, Kentucky. Jason Charleston, South Carolina. Anyone else experiencing deja vu? Third-year head coach who has us trending in the right direction. Two conference powers. Le- oh, we did, did this like last week. We had this whole thing. It's about Miami. Yeah, Neil Brown, Rich Rod, Oklahoma, Miami, Texas, Virginia Tech, SEC, ACC. Assuming the Big 12 keeps its Power 5 status and ESPN and the SEC will let a respectable Big 12 champion in the tournament, I really like the chances of us being dominant in the Big 12 over the next few years, making the playoff. We all eventually want a major conference with the Blue Bloods, but let's be honest with ourselves, until West Virginia wins a natty or two, we'll always struggle to recruit as well consistently as the perennial top programs. This realignment nonsense could potentially be the best thing that has ever happened to WVU again. I see what he's saying. Last time, obviously, West Virginia took the fruit of the conference change mm-hmm. and with Rich, cranked it out there and had the success that the uh, that the Mountaineers did, winning, obviously, the league and winning the orange and the sugar, or the fiesta and the, the sugar and the fee, the sugar and the orange, I guess, in the fiesta. Yeah, as well. See, here's the, here's the thing on that. We've had this conversation before. You, you're going to take a hit nationally with your reputation with this new league, and you can't do anything about it except what? What's your comeback? You can push stats. You can push wins. You can push things. I, I've got an interesting one that I'll bring up here in a later podcast. I talked about it on our game day coverage last year. You're adding some programs that historically have been pretty good last 10 years. But you know what you have to do. Someone has to do it. You'd prefer it be West Virginia. What do you have to do? Go win games. That's what changes the reputation. Just line up, go beat people, win the league, then line up in the college football playoff once it finally expands after everybody gets what they need, and then you go out and you win games. That's what's going to change this reputation. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be early fighting with the national media because they're not giving you the respect because they're not going to. So go take it. Go take the respect. You've got to go win games. Some programs, plural, have to get it together and go be dominant and win games. I apologize if you just said that because I was reading the next text. But did you did you reference West Virginia, Georgia? What happened when West Virginia beat Georgia? Remember the Big East? Mm-hmm. Like they couldn't they couldn't embrace West Virginia strong enough or say they said you saved us because that was that win. Correct. That was that win that went, oh, wait a second. These guys are the real deal. And then you did exactly what I just said. You stacked wins on top of wins with an exciting style that you went out there nationally and said, all right, anybody want to question us? Who's who's questioning the league or West Virginia now? And again, you were in a position to play for a national title had you taken care of your business. Mm -hmm. You weren't getting kept out of that because some perception of the league. You're in that same spot again. Somebody, preferably West Virginia, goes out and recreates that. Text for the show. Since we've been abysmal in the second half, maybe we should defer to receive the ball in the second half to maximize our number of second-half possessions. Maybe come out second half with Garrett Green series for a spark or run tempo to start and try to get something going. Are we getting out coached with halftime adjustments or just a failure to execute after halftime? The defense seems to adjust fine, but not the O. Hard not to think we are getting out coached on the O side. Would you like to go first, or would you want me to jump? Go ahead, because Neil kind of addressed it this week. Well, let's take a look, and let's break it down. Oh, texter. The let's okay. So Maryland game, what happened? What was the what was the downfall of the second half in Maryland? You fell behind, so you had to become one dimensional. 
And what happened with the turnovers? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's there. LIU, forget about it. Virginia Tech, they purposely, as he said this week, and probably prematurely took the wind out of it because they had the 27-7 to lead. And then last week, there were three possessions in the second half, and you had the ball at the half-yard line, and you had the ball at their 27 before things blowed up. So it's probably, you know, it's one of those deals where it's probably not as good as we think and probably not as bad as we think, or maybe I should say it's not as bad as we think or not as good as we think. It's somewhere in the middle. That's probably what it is. And yet, as Neil acknowledged this week, it has to get better. I mean, you can't, because this goes back into last year as well, and some of this comes back to execution. You're just going to have to execute, and the guys on the field are going to have to make plays to be able to then allow the coaches to get a little more creative with the play calling. You've got to execute, quit the turnovers, quit the penalties, and find a way to put more points on the board because we all know, Captain Obvious here, the three points in the second half trend is not going to cut it. Let me ask you this question. And you're totally justified and fair to ask whatever questions that you want and state your opinion. That's totally, totally good. But would you agree with me that the two losses that West Virginia has had this season, they've beaten themselves. It's not, it wasn't a strategy. It wasn't this person got out coached or this person got out coached. You gave the freaking ball away. I mean, it's there. It's not. So that's the, that's the big, you give the ball away, you loseth the game. Plain and simple. It, there's also too, I think, and this is sometimes hard to do in the moment. I think you have to take in game theory and coaching philosophy on where this program is. And, and he talked about this earlier this week. How's this program going to win games? And specifically, how's this team going to win games? What's it going to win with? Defense. So if you're going to win with defense, what are you trying to do offensively? You're trying to not lose the game. And again, that's what has not gone well in the losses. You have lost the game because of turnovers and mistakes, even though you're trying not to. So this is by its nature and definition, when that's your game script, it's going to be more conservative. So there's going to be some moments offensively where where they can be potentially cringeworthy, right? Where you're trying to do things to run clock, to limit the other team's possession and let your good defense come back on the field. That was the same way last year. How'd you win games last year? with the defense, not the offense. That's in direct contrast to what was happening the previous eight years. How did you win games most of the time under Dana Holgerson? You flipped the script. You won them offensively, right? And defensively, sometimes you were just hanging on. You were edge of the cliff trying to hang on, hoping Tony Gibson could dial up a blitz and someone could get home, and you get the one stop you needed to win, but you tried to outscore people. So I realize it looks different, but that's also partly by design. This program right now where it is, given the talent on each side of the ball, is going to try and win defensively. Mm-hmm. That's going to lead to more conservatism on offense. Yeah, I, I say this as well. A great, great, Good and great coaches, they take what they have and they optimize it. And right now, Dana is, Dana, <laughs> Neil is optimizing what he has in front of him. Now, does that mean in the future West Virginia will look exactly like it does on offense? I say no, but right now that's the best possible plan in his level of expertise as to win games. Now you go get some cats out there down the road that can do some things and then you'll go like, well, it's pretty good. Like what's, you know, great coaches always find that. Now Rich in his first year, he put his offense in even though that was not the offense. And said, figure it out. Suited for that. And yes. what happened? You were three up and eight down. Yeah. 
because Brad Lewis was not going to be the answer. Correct. For what Rich wanted to do. But, but what came next? You put Rashid in. And where and, and so you, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but part of that was because let's install it and let people start learning it, knowing it's going to look bad here, but everybody's learning the system rather right. than delaying that process. Yeah, and then you then you start to plug in the guys that can do it the best, and then here comes Rashid, and then here comes Pat, and then off and running you go. So, and Hugs does the same thing. You know, no one screams at Hugs when West Virginia wins 57 to 53 because what is his deal? His deal is the same thing. It's always been defense. Now, when he can go up and down a little bit more, he goes, okay, let's go up and down a little bit more. But at the same time, when you know you can't produce it, but you can defend, well, that's what you do. And so if you look at this particular football team that's still learning along the offensive line and trying to get better and still looking for an answer at quarterback that can be efficient, it would make no sense to go out and just arbitrarily go fast for the sake of going fast. It would make no sense to throw the ball downfield time after time when that's not your strength. So you're trying to play to your strengths offensively, limit it, and let the defense win you games. Just mentioned basketball. Texter asks this question, scrolling through Twitter today, saw a tweet from WVU basketball commit Josiah Harris. He had never had a pepperoni roll. He asked where his best spot to grab one would be. Where would you guys suggest for any and all future Mountaineers to go to experience this West Virginia delicacy? Well, geez. I mean, this is like asking which of your kids you love more. Uh, I was just I mean, how do you say, answer? It's a fundamental question that anywhere, doesn't have an answer. Anywhere. I mean, I, I'm more liberal than you are when it comes to that. So basically anywhere. I've had good ones at gas stations. I've had good ones at restaurants. My wife makes a wonderful version. Just give me one. Just it's it's bread, cheese, pepperoni. I'm in. So I can't, I'm not going to give it a particular endorsement there. Yeah. So it's personal preference. I would say that Josiah just needs, as Brad said, just to get a bunch of different ones, and you know they're they're just different. I mean they're different. I mean some teams run spread, some teams run wishbone, right? I mean like you go Colossesnos. That's a big piece of bread, and it's a different deal than some others. But obviously, you know, you throw the classics in there. You know, we can go down to Buchanan where they ground the pepperoni that they put in there. You got the stick pepperoni against the sliced pepperoni conversation. And on all three. Grind ground it up, stick it, slice it. Great. You don't know. I mean, you you come in with some people, you put in a hot cheese. This takes them totally off the track. Does Josiah like a hot cheese? Yeah, I think what you do is you just get the kid like a big platter and just like a bunch of different ones. Do you go hot? Do you go cold? Sure. Yeah, exactly. Do you warm those babies up? Man, you got to warm them up properly. You go into a microwave. You know what happens? It turns into a mouse. So all of a sudden, it's as hard as a rock. I mean, I can put them in the microwave and enjoy them too. <laughs> well, a little bit. I mean, so you got to be careful. So I would say this. Three guys before the game would be happy to share the experience with Josiah and walk them through that. But it's a, it's a good thing. Josh in Tucson, I have a flight back today from Tucson from Birmingham. It includes a layover in Denver. Going to be an eight-hour travel day. Do you mind doing an extra-long podcast so I have something to listen to to kill the time? Maybe do a three-guys classic, breaking down great WV games, 93 Miami, 05 Louisville. Who could ever forget 10-9 win over Temple in 91? Thank you. P.S. My 91-year-old grandfather is going to go to his second game this weekend, choosing West Virginia over the Buckwheat Festival. Loyalty, baby. Awesome. Josh, I don't think we can go that long. 
um, after the show, I'll send you Brad's cell number, and you can just talk to him for a long time. That'd be all right with you? Sure. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Andy from Parkersburg, this has to be the statement game of the 21 season. Game represents so much. To beat a team we haven't beaten since 18. This is game five, standing with a two and two record. Finally, it represents an opportunity for Neil to silence his second half production critics. Tech arguably has the worst D in the conference. We arguably have the best defense in the conference. I think Neil has to put up 35 plus, win by three scores, make a statement Ooh. to the fans, set the tone for the remainder. What are your thoughts on why this game is so significant? I think, Andy, if you've been listening since the beginning, I think we did hit that. You're exactly. I think you make a lot of good points. Hey, three guys with Daryl Talley's number 90 being retired Saturday. I've got an over-under for the Mountaineer currently wearing that number. TFLs for Hakeem Mesidor versus Tech. The number's one and a half. Thanks, love the show. That's from Jumpin' Jack. One and a half TFLs for Hakeem Mesidor. Be nice if it was over. He's obviously going to get a lot of attention. Um, I hope they try a couple deep balls there and he has a chance to get home. The other part of that, we didn't really talk about this when we were talking about Henry Columbia. He was pretty slippery last year yes, against he West was. Virginia. He was able to escape yeah. and run it, and that was probably the difference in that game, his ability to run. So if Mesidor can get up in that two or more and this team can get around those 10 TFLs that had been averaging, I like West Virginia, but Columbia running the ball is a little bit of a concern. Sean in Florida, now that hoop season's here, I want the inside scoop about all the things related to the Hugs treadmill. I got so many questions. Is there a specific spot where the treadmill sits? If it's on the court itself, who's responsible for bringing it up, putting it away every day? Is there one or multiple? Is there a specific protocol for time speed on the mill? Or does it depend on the infraction? And as for Brad, what should the over-under be for the amount of time until the treadmill gets its first use on the first practice? Any insight would be appreciated. Love the show. The treadmills are permanently placed baseline right at the practice facility. There's a couple of them there, at least two, maybe three. They're there because they... You know, they also work out on them in addition to uh, going there for miscues. Uh, the speed, I think, is a uh, consistent speed. And it doesn't like, is, does it depend on the, on the infraction? No. I mean, it doesn't like, he failed to rebound, that's 20 miles an hour, or he didn't cover, you know, he didn't make the switch, so it's 17. It's, it stays the same. Kind of. I think the speed's kind of like this. That's when you're there. That's what it sounds like. It just it's just in the background. It's, it's just pretty, it's, it's pretty on. good recreation. It's just on all the time. It doesn't just stays on. Just stays on. Yeah. Um. I would say first practice. Seven newcomers. Early set the tone early. Yeah, I'd say there'd probably be a, a good number. I'd say there was probably a good number. We can get the get the find on that. Ted, Fort Mill, South Carolina. There are three guys, so many voices clamoring for more Garrett Green. I get it. Daggy's had his share of struggles. Green brings the excitement element. But count me in as one, one who would like to see less. Let me clarify by that. I think I think really think bouncing back and forth between quarterbacks has a time and a place. It felt like West Virginia made critical mistakes in their final drive when it seemed like Coach Brown got too cute in circumstances that required all the focus they could muster. 
Sure seemed like the QB changes caused more confusion confusion and distraction to our own offense when the game was on the line, a situation that already had more stress and pressure than we could bear. Not arguing causation or correlation here, simply saying it's hard to deny it was likely one contributing factor. And Deggy was so rushed to get back on the field against Tech that his focus wasn't where it should have been when he threw that ball, nearly fatal interception. Your thoughts? Ted, Fort Mill, South Carolina. I think they make, do they make towels in Fort Mill, South Carolina? That's impressive if you know that. If that's right. He just, that just, well, you would think Fort Mill, South Carolina. Deggy's also had a couple, really, two of his better passes have come when he's come re entered the game. So. I, I, I don't know. I think you can find spots maybe where it's been a challenge, maybe when it's not. I, you're going to see two quarterbacks, and, and these guys have two different skill sets, so you're going to continue to see. I'll be surprised if you don't see an increased Garrett Green package as we continue to go and he gets more reps. So I think I think you're going to have two. They're repping two during the week, and, and that's what's going to be moving forward. Yeah, a lot of towels in Fort Mill. Why would you know that? How the hell would I know that? There's so much stuff. I There's stuff in my head that I have no why is it there. I don't know. But, yeah, I just thought that was it. I mean, I reminded you of something before the show that we needed to do, and then you asked again for me to remind you. You've already forgotten that, but you knew towels were made in Fort Mill? Yeah. So. In a deep study of your brain. A lot of emptiness. Ted, I would say this. You are correct in the assertion that it is a dance, and you're right. There needs to be a rhythm to using both. And I think the process is on in doing that. But I do think that, yeah, it, it, it opens itself up possibly to, to not being totally locked in when you make those changes. So I think they have to get better at that. But it can also work the other way. The sure. defense can't get in a rhythm either, theoretically, right? Yeah. You can't just sit back there, okay, here we, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming, because Deggie's back there and he's not going to pull it and he's not as mobile. Now all of a sudden you drop in a Garrett Green on a second and six. Oh, sure. oh, 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 what is that? What's going on? And there's not time because it's tempo and it's going fast. There's a disruption to defensive rhythm as well. It's not, the, these things aren't just one-sided, both, both sides to this. You're right. The offense, because it will rep it during the week in practice, will be better at it than the defense will be able to be at adjusting to it. Mm-hmm. I think so long-term it will. Mm-hmm. Texter asked this question, while West Virginia continues to invent ways to lose, I actually felt really good Back on Saturday, while we nearly won the glorified seven-on-seven games in 2012 and 2018, I felt this was the first time where West Virginia thoroughly outplayed Oklahoma. The defense at all levels played exceptional. Defensive front completely dominated OU's offensive line. We will likely, we will likely drop a few more close ones this year. The offense just isn't quite there, and I'm not sure it's coming this season. However, the improvements made in three years just shows that this program is in the best hands possible. I'm truly excited to see how far the climb takes us before the inevitable collapse. Go Mountaineers. Grant in Parkersburg. As a lifelong Mountaineer fan, I have been conditioned to expect the worst. Looking at this Texas Tech team, if West Virginia doesn't drop 30 offensive points on these guys, do we need to start a panic about our offense going forward? Outside of Kansas, isn't this the worst defense that we're going to face the rest of the season? Tell you Monday. What do you think? He's uh, asking the question Thursday. I know, but we we don't know that yet. That's part of what we're trying to see. That was that strength of schedule discussion we got into a little bit ago. If you base it off what you saw last week, then the answer is a resounding yes. But Texas also presents some problems offensively that I don't know West Virginia can present. 
It's two different teams there. So is West Virginia's matchup with this defense going to have the same effect that Texas's offense against that defense has, right? This is all about matchups. So we don't know that. I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. On paper, if you start to go through the, the matchups, it would seem to be this would be one of your better opportunities. Yeah. Hey, guys, OG listener here from the Jambi days. Whoa. That's 1986. I was curious to know if it is at all possible how to get a birthday announced at the stadium for a longtime season ticket holder. It'll be his 70th Saturday. Keep up the great work, Jason and Taze Valley. Now, you used to work in, were you involved in that? I know you were in charge of the Mountaineer, cheerleaders, styrofoam cups, and sold multi-million dollars on the Mountaineer Sports Network. Now, did that come under your purview? And wrote commercials, did. Yeah. You want to keep going? Yes. Began the birthday greetings program. You did? Sure. When I was there, it was a team effort. So you're the OG of birthdays on the stadium. Well, sure. That was a, that was a battle. So do you know? So you to know, fight to get that done. So you know how to. I, I don't need more. If you go to their website, there is probably a link on yeah, the website is. for birthday greetings. It'll cost you ten bucks, fifteen bucks, something like that. But there's a there's a tab right on the website. You can go in and hit it and give all the information there. Since you started it, do you get a kickback on the? Uh, I mean, if you were, you should have had like a perpetuity two percent commission on all birthdays that go up. That would have been pretty smart. You should have done like a. It wouldn't have been behind, behind, you know, ahead of your time, but you should have probably had one of them smart contracts on yeah. the on the blockchain. Do you think that was a matter of me not asking about that, or do you think it just wouldn't have been approved had I asked for said royalty? Yes. Mm-hmm. Keith and Bridgeport. Fellas, this offense reminds me of an old truck of mine. It'd run great for 30 minutes or so. Then the transmission would start slipping, and it would get stuck in second gear. After some tinkering with that transmission, that truck ran like a scalded dog. I feel the same way with this offense. They'll get it going in a big way this weekend. They cover, but take the under. Mountaineers big. Let's go. That's good. That's a good lead in, Keith, because that's what we're going to get into right now. The good folks at the Caesar Sportsbook have a special offer every time the Mountaineers play. And it goes like this. You place a point spread wager on the world champion Mountaineers or the Mountaineers, and if they cover or win the game outright, Caesars gives you a bonus worth double your net winnings. All you have to do is bet the spread with Caesars Sportsbook, and you win it double. This goes for every Mountaineer game this season. And if you haven't downloaded the app yet, what are you waiting for? Your first bet, risk-free, up to $5,000 you can't lose. That's right. You win your first bet, great. If not, you'll get it all back in free bets up to five grand. Must be 21. The offer valid here in West Virginia only for new players. Paid and bet credits. Terms, conditions apply. See Caesars.com slash promos. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. All the games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. Let's lead into it now. From the Caesars Sportsbook, Texas at TCU this weekend. TCU's had a rough week. Had a situation there with the SMUs. I don't know if you know this or not, but TCU does not like Texas. I mean, like, it's an in-state, like, and they've had their way with Texas. However, this TCU team has not given you the inclination that they're ready to beat the Texases. The line is Texas 5. Texas given 5. What do you got, Senator? 
Uh, you know what? That's not one I've looked at yet. I, if I'm if I'm TCU, my concern there would be defensively. They are not playing well defensively, and I know everybody just defaults to it's Gary Patterson. They're going to be good defensively. They just aren't this year. Texas coming off what it's done. Steve Sarkeesian, a lot of um, equity there in his play calling, what you just saw. That, to me, TCU is going to have to show me a lot defensively to keep it within that number. Close call for Oklahoma, as we all know, last week. Now they go on the road. They're a 10.5-point favorite to beat Kansas State. K-State's 3-1, and one, over-unders 52.5. Oh, this is a good one. This is, a, this is fun from a just a watching college football. This is fascinating, I think, from a betting standpoint because you've lost a lot of money over the decades going against Kansas State as a home dog. Bill Snyder was the best ever in yep. that role. Chris Kleiman, 6-2 and two against the spread as a home dog. But how are they going to generate offense against this Oklahoma defense? They're in a, they have a quarterback situation, right? Skylar Thompson yep. looks like he's still out, although there were reports he was taking snaps. Will Howard hasn't necessarily shown that he's the guy. They had to bring in Jaron Lewis last week because Will Howard got dinged a little bit. Kansas State can run it. Deuce Vaughn has been very good. The Kansas State defense has looked very good. This, to me, feels like a lower-scoring game. But, man, if you're Kansas State, can you get enough points if you're one-dimensional to cover that number of 10.5? Hard to go against Oklahoma here, isn't it? They've just taken a boatload of crap all week. If they don't play well this week, I think that's massive. It is massive. That it, tells you a ton if they does, don't play but well. You just, you just watched them. I mean, there wasn't anything there that you looked at and said, well, I, I mean, I don't. we'll have to see if Kansas State's defense is as good as West Virginia's, but Kansas State's been getting after the passer. Baylor, Oklahoma State. Baylor coming off an unbelievable unexpected victory over the Cyclones of Iowa State. And Oklahoma State at home, three-and-a-half-point pick. Also, another one I'm, I'm really interested in watching here. Baylor's been a surprise early. Did not play anybody their first three games, but that nice win over Iowa State that you just referenced. They're playing good defense. They're playing good offense. They're 27th right now in opponent yard per play. So their defense is doing its job. Again, how much does schedule strength matter? Jerry Bohannon's been the key for them, their quarterback. He has been super efficient so far. Seven touchdowns and no picks. If mm. that continues, they're going to be really hard to beat because on the ground, they've been fantastic. Treston Ebner and Abraham Smith have been fantastic running it. Can they keep this up? Oklahoma's defense is very good. 22nd in defensive yards per play so far on this season. And did they get their offense fixed a little bit? Spencer Sanders threw for over 300 last week. Jalen Smith has stepped, I'm sorry, Jalen Warren has stepped in for Chuba Hubbard and is running it. This to me feels like Oklahoma State, but it looks like there's some money coming in on that Baylor plus three and a half plus four. Yeah, over under, they're not expecting a whole ton of points, 47 and a half. All right. Iowa State, not if they're going to win the game against Kansas or not. They're a 34-point favorite at home against the Kansases. Do they just go out and wreak havoc after suffering the loss last week? Or are they so dejected because they may just blew a chance at the Big 12 title? That's a big number. This is a total stay away from me. Okay, well, let's go West Virginia, Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. Seven and a half WVU. Where, where, where's your, where's your paddle here? My goodness. From a fan rooting standpoint, I would certainly hope you go out and win this game by 10 or more and you control it. The numbers probably tell you you would have to ride with Texas Tech and see where it goes. I still kind of think this could be an under game situation with these teams. I would be in the situation if that number is 56, 57, depending on what you get. You've got to show me that you go over. This series has been an over series over the last, what's nine years since they started meeting. But this to me feels like it's another one. Show me that these teams can get over offensively. Vince in New Jersey. Hello. 
This game seems eerily similar to 2019, coming off a heartbreaking three-point loss to 12th-ranked Baylor. We came out flat against the underwhelming Texas Tech team last year. Tech had numerous injuries, absences, still moved the ball with ease. Why is it Texas Tech gives us so many matchup problems? P.S. Tony, as a fellow WFAN listener, I think you should have been the replacement for Mike Francesa. <laughs> Not in four million years. That'd be great. I'd be great at New York sports talk. I'd do really well there. Do great with those people. You know what I think about those Northeast Corridor people. Anyway, I don't. I think this Vince. I just think the mindset's different. That's my hope that the mindset will be different from 2019. This one has. Uh, this one has bothered Neil. The two losses to Texas Tech. I think they'll be. They'll go. I think they'll go. Dan in Damascus, Maryland. Which number is higher? Number of first downs gained by West Virginia this weekend or the number of total wins this season for Mountaineer basketball? So far this year, West Virginia has had 18 first downs in each of its first three games against FBS opponents. Good question, Danny boy. You got a number there that makes you think. 18. This is a good one. 18 basketball wins. I don't know. I can't give a good educated answer yet. I haven't gone through and done my normal win-loss through the basketball schedule yet. But it's probably right in that range, right? Hope you can steal a couple and get into that 21 range. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, just do it on paper. Show me a time where you've had seven newcomers come in to blend with eight and you lost an NBA guy, and you lost your inside scoring presence. I mean, this thing, in large part, is a start over. Take that in the right context, but I mean, there's so many pieces that have to start fitting together. The non-conference portion of this schedule will be huge for this Mountaineer team. 12 non-cons? Yeah. 10 games in league? Yeah. Not 10 games in league, 18 games in league. I mean, 18 games yes. in league. I was thinking win 10 yeah. league games. Yeah. Super hard. There's a lot of stuff that has to come together with this team. A ton. A ton. So. it's pretty. That's probably a pretty good number. Yeah, you're right around it. You're right around it. You would, if he would have half that, that would have made it even more challenging. Give you an 18 and a half. So, we'll see. We'll see on that. A reminder, folks, that the... Epidemic here in our state caused by opioids continues, and right now more than 7,000 kids live in foster care in West Virginia, 71% increase in the last 10 years affecting kids. 54% of the grandparents who live with their grandchildren are responsible for raising them. That's more than 35,000 kids in West Virginia. West Virginia Game Changer supports, encourages young people throughout the state of West Virginia to build healthy, addiction-free lives. You can help. West Virginia families and children become a game changer. Visit the website, learning more at wvgamechanger.com. That's wvgamechanger.com. All righty. Music's on. Big weekend. Uh, Nico Markiel, quarterback, who we've talked about on the program and a friend of this program. I mean, he was on the podcast. He was, yes. Understand he's coming in for a visit. He's playing Friday night, doing the red-eye thing, and uh, going to be here. 
That dude, like, he doesn't need sleep because when we interviewed him, remember, he came in that morning. He, had done he the red same thing. I think he did the same thing, right? Yeah, he red eyed last time. So yeah. he'll be in, among others, football and basketball wise. Should be great. I think the weather's going to be really nice, right? Oh, and beautiful. These beautiful. next couple days, beautiful. So, these, hey, let's face it, folks, you don't know what we're going to get into as we get into October here. You don't know how many more, like, pristine days you have. So embrace it, be absolutely at the top of your game. Be the 12th person and lead the Mountaineers to the much-needed W. Special thanks to our producer, Mark Spruill. Three guys before the game brought to us by Caesars Sportsbook. Download that app if you haven't yet. Comax Business Systems, they're just helping you out inside your business and protecting you. Visit ComaxWV.com. Verdeck Camping Center, clap your hands every time tech turns it over because it's $100 in your pocket. Visit them at BurdettCamping.com and buy West Virginia Game Changer. Visit WVGameChanger.com. We'll recap review on Monday. Three Guys, episode 316 is complete. Over, out, see you.